Is that better? Or is that too loud? Oh, okay. It's right in my grill. It's like, right here. You're going to need your notes. You're going to need a Bible. We're going to continue on on this thing we've been doing recently. We've been looking at peace. And what is peace? How do we bring peace? How do we make peace? And one of the things we looked at last week is the idea that we have to have peace. You can't give something you don't have. Mm, You can't give something you don't have. Neither can you take anyone somewhere where you haven't been. Which means the peace that we have, which is not established by us, but God himself, is a peace that is permanent. The question is, do we realize that peace? Are we living in, the, are we living in that peace? Are we perpetually sensing that peace? And it's not that things don't come into our lives that can pull the feelings of peace away, and that's where we're gonna go to, into and live in the peace that's been established for us by Christ. We cannot bring it to anybody else. We can't. You know, when we, you know, when we talk about leading worship or discipling somebody, the whole idea is, I can't take anywhere, I can't take anyone somewhere I have not been. So if I'm not walking with Jesus, it's hard for me to walk with you and take you to Jesus, or for you to do the same for me. And so it is with peace. So this is what I want to do. I want to look at the notes, and then we're going to go into some text and I want, to make sure that, uh, I want to make sure that what we're doing is we're, we're truly resting in this, this peace established in us by God's grace in which we stand and that we begin to realize that peace and then bring that peace. So look at the notes with me if you would. So the, you know, the, that first title is The Peace of Going God's Way. And so the whole idea here is first and foremost we need to come to the way of God. So we look at this word repentance, you know, and if we were to read the Gospel of John in the first couple chapters, actually all the Gospels, we see the story of John the Baptist, and we see the idea that he came to bring, to baptize people with a baptism of repentance. And a lot of times we, mis, we, we misunderstand what that word means. The word repentance in some for some is a very oppressive word or it's a hard word or it's a word that's been imposed upon them when in fact the word repentance is the very grace of God. It's his mercy bestowed upon us. That as we were going in the way opposite of God, he did not punish us for going the opposite way of him or his. But in fact called to us to call us back to his way. And so in salvation, I'm going the way of the world, I'm going the way of the enemy, I'm going the way of my flesh. That's the way of destruction. That leads to death. God in his mercy didn't punish me for going that way, but in fact called to me, by his grace, back to himself. And so repentance is the idea of me having gone this way toward death and being turned around and now to go the way of life. And that's what salvation brings. That's a repentance that leads to salvation. But then our daily walk, there's another repentance. And that is the idea of walking with Christ. Once we have that relationship with God and Christ, by grace, we now continue to walk in it. And when I sin, I'm called to repent. So what does that mean? For the moment, I went my flesh's way. I went the world's way. I went my own way. I went according to my desires, and God, and which was opposed to God's word or God's commands or God's wisdom. What does he call me to do? He whispers in my ear and he says, come back here. And he's calling me to repent. And in his mercy, by his grace, he continues to call his children back to his side. So there's a repentance. It's it's about being sanctified, set apart, and our lives growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. And we need to recognize both are ours. 
their responsibilities and privileges we have. So, when we talk about the idea of repentance and the peace that God made, it is because our hearts responded to his call off the way of destruction and death onto the way of life eternal. So, so going God's way, as much as we live by grace, and that is we've been saved by grace, that is the gift of God, and then so have life in Christ by that grace, we still live day to day in utter dependence upon his gift of life. In other words, I depend on God for my life. He is the one who gave me life, and he is the one who sustains my life. He has promised to finish the work that he's begun in me, and he continues to work in me. That's why I'm to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, not because I should be afraid of losing my salvation, but because it's God's very person working in me. So that fear and trembling has to do with reverent awe of the fact that the nature of God, the power of God, the person of God resides in me and is doing the work. So we go on, it says, as much as we live by grace and then so have life in Christ, we live day to day in utter dependence upon his gift of life, that is his grace. But not only dependence upon God and his grace, but also the grace of a splendid interdependence with God, the Holy Spirit. And then one another, the gift of the body of Christ. It was and is and will never be good for man to be alone he was never meant to be alone. And so we were meant to be connected to God. We now have the indwelling of God. That's the interdependent nature of God. So God holds me, I'm dependent on his holding, but I'm in, in the day-to-day workings of my salvation, I'm interdependent with his spirit. In other words, his dependent on him for life, interdependent with him in life. Do I walk and stride with the Holy Spirit? Do I walk according to God's commands? Do I walk in the very nature of Jesus' goodness and righteousness? When I do, walking in stride with him, you know, listening for his voice, and then cooperating with his leading, that's interdependence. The Holy Spirit doesn't force me to do anything. Neither does he force himself upon me. I must cooperate. I must say I love you too to God. When he calls me by his commands and he's guiding me according to the path he has me on, that's his I love you to me. I love you. My I love you too is to recognize that truth and cooperate with him. To say to him, I love you more than I love the world. I love you more than I, I love your way more than I love my way. I love your wisdom more than I love my wisdom. And this is the act of walking with God interdependently with the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and then listen, the one another. That's why it's so important for us to be in the body of Christ. It's so important and to have a sense of responsibility to and for one another. This is God's way of saying, it's not good for you to be alone. I didn't save you to be alone. I saved you to be with me, I indwell you, and I saved you to be with one another. Now go do it. So we read on in the notes, and it's this idea of interdependence, dependence on God and interdependence with God and with one another. So that's the peace of going God's, God's way. When I do that, I walk in peace. Not only do I have peace with God established in me by Christ, we're gonna look at that in a little more detail in a second, but I also, to some degree, realize that peace. In other words, I'm at peace. I sense God's leading. I'm in obedience to his commands. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in stride with the Holy Spirit, and I'm communing with the body of believers, and there's peace in that. I'm, not only do I have I had this peace established between me and God, I walk in peace. But then there's a peril of going my own way. Still, even as a believer, there's a peril in going my way. Therefore, for us to go our own way, that is without his grace's guidance, which is by his word and his spirit and the encouragement of one another, his word guides me. It's written right there for, for, my, for my good, for my life, 
right? And for peace, to maintain my peace, not sustain my peace. My peace is sustained by God. It's maintained by me. Mm, Hold on. God established the peace. He keeps that peace. That peace is irrevocable. But it's up to me to maintain the peace by walking in stride with him, by being in his word, by the encouragement of the believers. Think about the network he has placed around us for the purpose of walking with him. Let's stop for a minute. We talk about having a good, healthy network or a good support system around us, and that's one of the big, it's almost a buzz term in, in, our, in our community now, that everyone has to have that, that circle of people that is good for them. Where do you think that comes from? That's an earthly expression of your kingdom truth. To have a support network or system around you means that you're not going about this thing by yourself. Because even the secular world has found that it is impossible to live a healthy life on your own. But that wasn't established by the world. That was established by God. He's saying, when you tie yourself to me, I've brought you to myself. When you remain tied to the whole, at peace with me, right? I've established this peace. I've tied you into my body. I've tied you into my spirit. I've tied you into me. Now, when you walk according to that, what's happening is you're exercising the very support system that he has put you in. Whether it's a relationship with your parents or guardians, some relationship with your extended family, you've got some friends who are influential in your life and are leading you in a good path. You may have a counselor over here. You may have a doctor over here. You may have a a group of people that you meet with periodically to kind of talk about life. Sounds like a pretty good network, doesn't it? Yeah. What do we have? We have God himself, our maker and creator. We have the person of Christ who is the peace offering between us and our creator and maker. We have the Holy Spirit who indwells us and empowers us and enables us and comforts us and reminds us and speaks to us and speaks through us. Then he gave us the body of believers that begins with those that we may share a home with if we're blessed in that way. And then the body of believers in terms of a local body, a small group that we can have a little bit more close contact and a little more accountability. Think about the network that God has made, the system he's put together that his children would be taken care of. There's nothing missing. There's not a hole in the system. The only hole occurs when we hold it up. And all of a sudden, we refuse to exercise those things. We don't encounter him in the word and in prayer and in our quiet time. We don't spend time listening for the Holy Spirit and discerning his voice and being able to listen closely to him as to be guided by him. We don't get in the fellowship of believers and spend time with those people who are like us and have been drawn to the same body. We don't have a small group of people that we interact with on a regular basis who know us a little bit more and can hold us a little more accountable and encourage us in ways that maybe the overall body can't. We don't have those one or two people who we give permission to sharpen us and to dig deep into us and and to tell us the things, frankly, we don't want to hear. You have to have all of that. That is how God weaves the body of Christ together. That is how he helps us, gives us everything we need to maintain our peace. He sustains it. He keeps it. He's promised to finish the work he's begun. He will bring it to a fruitful end. The issue for us is to maintain it with him. That's 
the recognition of what he's made me to be and where he's placed me and with whom he's placed me. Is this making sense so far this morning? This is essential stuff. (coughs) Frankly, it's basic stuff. Even the world knows we need a good support system. Even the world knows we need a network of people around us. Those are merely earthly expressions of this kingdom truth. What God's intentions are for his people, his children, and the good things he's placed around us for our benefit. So, does that make sense this morning? Are we good so far? Right? We realize. Now, let me go back. Remember, to sin is to go our own way. This is the middle of the paragraph just above it. Remember, to sin is to go our own way according to our own ideas and plans, pride and self-sufficiency, whims and desires. And to do so makes my relationship with God and with others ineffective and unproductive. We've talked about that, right? So we go on next. It says, Jesus' peace is by grace. It is a free gift. And we realize that peace, we realize that peace by remaining in and waiting on him that his commands, his words, should remain in us as his spirit does, and we go his way according to those commands in spirit. That should be John 14 and 15, by the way, there. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn. Now, the, the text here, there's text in the, in the um, notes for you, but I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you would. We're going to talk about this. There's a regular greeting that Paul used with, in many of his letters. And it's how he greeted the churches. And a lot of times we just see it as a salutation. A, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Let me acknowledge you. But I think, it's, I think it's more profound than that. In fact, I think it's way more profound than that. I think Paul opened his letters this way to remind every believer who read this letter who they were. You know why? We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Anyone here ever forget very tangibly that you are the child of God? That your, your circumstances don't rule you? Your feelings aren't your governor? That your doubts are merely facades trying to masquerade itself as God's truth? Anybody ever feel that way? And so Paul, when he writes to us, he reminds us who we are. So we look at 1 Corinthians 1, and we're going to look at verses 1, and I'm going to pray before we go any further. Father, grant us this greeting today, that you are greeting us this way, that you are saying hello to us, you have written this letter to us as a love letter, and you're reminding us of who we are, that we may walk in grace, that we may walk in peace, that we may realize that peace, and that when the peace is difficult to realize, we would trust that it has not gone away. We're just struggling in the midst of it. So Lord, guide us in this. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So if you look at this with me, this is 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, right? Verse 1, it says, Paul, this this is the planter of this church, called to be an apostle, one who came to Corinth with the authority of Jesus given to him with a message by the will of God. In other words, he was guided, recognized God's will in his life through any number of circumstances, any number of ways. Certainly the commission he was given, he was made an apostle. He was sent, he was sent out with a message with authority from Christ himself. Then he was told he's going to be a messenger to the Gentiles, which means he had to leave Jerusalem, he had to leave Judea, he had to leave the Galilean area, and he had to go about the business God had called him to. And as he went, he, he began to discern 
where he was going and where he should be, not because God spoke words to him and explicitly told him to go to Corinth, but, but as he journeyed and shared the gospel, he interacted with the Holy Spirit and with the people of God in such a way as to be guided where to go and to find himself in a certain place and then to obey. Our life, God uses our life, our steps, our circumstances, our thinking. He uses our encounters to guide us along his path, along with his word and by his Holy Spirit. And the key is discerning the truth of this. So Paul shows up in Corinth and he plants this church. He wins people to Christ, right? Now he's writing back to them and he's saying, Paul, this is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, not by my will. This isn't something I did. I was following God's lead. Chapter two, or excuse me, verse two. To the church of God in Corinth, to those set apart by Christ, set apart in Christ, sanctified, made holy, set apart as holy by Jesus in Christ Jesus. So we are set apart, made holy to God, and now we're to be holy. In other words, as we have been made holy, we are now to be holy. That doesn't mean perfect. What it means is obedient. That doesn't mean perfect. It means to walk in stride with the Spirit according to the word of God and to go about God's business in a way that bears fruit. So you've been made holy, set apart by God, to be holy, to live a life of Christ in front of others, to others, with others. That's quite a greeting, isn't it? Imagine if we greeted each other every time we wrote a Facebook post to one another. Hey, this is Tony, some schmuck at uh, Mosaic, just reminding you, you are awesome. God loves you dearly and he has set you apart for something magnificent. Now go live it. And grace and peace be yours. Love, one of the guys. Imagine if we reminded each other of that because that's exactly what Paul was saying to the Ephesians when he said, speak the truth and love to one another. Speak the truth and love. Remind each other who you are, whose you are, what that means. And go live that life. Go live it out. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Isn't that a wonderful greeting? Isn't that an incredible reminder? And for me, a necessary reminder. You've been set apart by God, chosen by Christ, made righteous in him, set apart for his glory. Now go live it. Go live that life. Mm. Don't forget. And remember that it was God who established this. So he goes on to say something interesting. No, grace and peace be yours. Grace, the gift of life in Christ Jesus for salvation and reconciliation with God. And now peace with God. You are no longer his enemy. You are no longer at enmity. You are no longer hostile toward neither is he pushing back against you. But he is now for you. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. May it overflow, not only for your confidence, but for others' benefit. Because others benefit when we walk in the grace and the peace of Christ. When we practice the grace and the peace of Christ. When we realize the grace and the peace of Christ. When we rest in the grace and the peace of Christ. And we live according to what he has made us to be, and that is holy. By that grace and in that peace because it all comes back to grace and peace all of it we make an impact on others that's when we can bring peace into the life of another person 
because we become ourselves an oasis of peace. When all the stuff is hitting the fan, you know what we should be doing? In fact, you know what we should be doing? If we should be doing it, we should do it, right? We have brothers and sisters in a place called Ukraine. Anyone ever heard of Ukraine? You know, anyone know what's going on in Ukraine right now? Right? You know what our prayer for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine should be right now? One is, frankly, their protection. But even more importantly, that they themselves would be oases of peace in a world of chaos. That they would somehow have a peace that transcends the circumstances. The peace of God, which transcends, lifts, rises above the Not that they're removed from the circumstance. Frankly, I don't want my brothers and sisters in Ukraine removed from that circumstance. As much as I want God to keep them safe from the evil one, you know what I want them to be? An example of his grace and peace in the midst of chaos. An expression of the gospel to everyone else who's running around trying to figure out what to do. That they would walk in such a way as to walk confidently in the grace and the peace they have in Christ Jesus, not being in any way terrified of what's going on around them, but recognizing the urgency of the moment to live a life of light in front of those in darkness. That's what we should be praying for our brothers and sisters. Father, console them. Holy Spirit, rise up in them. May your peace be transcendent to them. May they be a light and life to those around them. May, they be, may their words be seasoned with salt that would cause others to thirst for you. May they be oasis of peace that people could run to them and find you when they find them. May the gospel be rich in their minds. May this greeting from Paul ring in their ears. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and my sisters. That's what we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. The church would stand firm, not with militants, but by peace. Does that make sense? Because that's the call to all of us. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, together we lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine right now. And we pray your peace upon them and your peace in them. We pray that they would realize, may they be, may they shine like stars in the universe as they cling to you, Lord God, because you cling to them. And may we support them with prayer. And may you, Lord God, remind them of the peace and grace that they have. And then may they act as an oasis of peace in that world of chaos. May their homes be a place of refuge and hospitality. May you, may you just shower on them the graces of of your providence and provision. And may they then be a blessing to those who see them. Protect them, Lord God. Hold them close. Shine in them. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So, the next question would be this. If we're gonna pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that way, will we be that here?
Will we pray for one another that way here? Will we be the oasis of peace in a world of chaos, in communities that are confused and angry and polarized? Will we bring the peace of Christ? Because we're practicing the peace of Christ. Let's keep going. So we see this text in 1 Corinthians, and it says this. It says to you, to the church in Corinth, right, who has been set apart in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, called to live out their inherent righteousness in Christ. That character and nature and the power of the Spirit that is in you, go live it out together with everyone, every, those everywhere who call in the name of the Lord Jesus. What did we just do? We just prayed for someone somewhere else. May everyone who has this truth, everyone who has experienced this, may, may, that be, may we be doing that with them. Their Lord and ours, right? So verse three, it says, now grace and peace to you be to you, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Now what I wanna do, go to the notes now if you would please, because I, I wanna make sure we're defining these as to better understand them. So if you see in the notes, we dug into the Greek a little bit and we're gonna find out what these words mean. Grace and peace are deeply intertwined and in, in the heart and life of the believer. They're inseparable in their effect. In other words, we have peace because of the grace of God. The grace of God brings peace. We, you, the, one bears the other. The other one is the expression of the other. And so because I have by grace, that peace has been established for me by God in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, therefore it's mine. And how is it mine? A gift from God and my relationship with him. They're inseparable. One begets the, the next. So what does grace mean? Grace is the Lord's favor. Actual favor, not apparent favor. Whoa, this is really important. Listen, oh, his actual favor, not his apparent favor. Anyone here ever been in a situation where you're really eager for something and you, feel, you felt like everything was laid out in front of you and God's favor is on you because it's gonna happen and all of a sudden the thing just falls, just falls apart in your hands or just, it just doesn't happen the way you thought it was going to? Anybody, anybody, anybody? And all of a sudden you begin to doubt whether or not God's favor is on you? That's apparent favor. That's apparent favor. Actual favor is that which I have with God, Period. That's my actual favor. The actual favor is that now his grace is sufficient for eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, being reconciled to my maker and having a peace with God. That's the actual favor of God. And I'm always favored by God, always, in every circumstance, no matter what it looks like on the outside. No, this is really important. As especially as American Christians, because we have a tendency to think that if, that if God loves me, everything's gonna go well. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. We live in a broken, sinful world. We are to be light in darkness. You know how, how light, ha there's only one way light can be light in darkness. You know how that is? To be in darkness. So we bring the light to the dark. Can't be a light if it's already light. It's dark out there. And we're called into the light. We're called to bring the light into that darkness. Mm -hmm. That's perilous. It's perilous. And the next thing is, this ain't our home. Mm. Peter says something, and I love it. It's one of my favorite phrases in the entire scripture. As aliens and strangers here, this is not your home. It's not. 
You are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenlies according to Ephesians and hidden in God in Christ Jesus according to Colossians. That's our home. So therefore, fix your eyes up there and then, then, then navigate this world with that being your North Star. Listen, you get tossed in a storm, the first thing you look for is the North Star. Where is it? And that's where you get your what? Bearing. Or another word for that is attitude, direction. Mm. So why are we to fix our eyes on Jesus? Because that's our North Star. That's it. That's why he came and there was a star that led people to him. North Star. No matter what's happening around me, that guides me. No matter how many waves crash against me, there it is. There it is. This is not our home. We have to understand that this is not our home and stop acting like this is our home. It's not. It's not. We have something waiting for us that's ridiculous. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get there. And the urgency in our hearts should be that we can't wait to bring others with us. So what is this grace? Look what it says. It's God's favor, freely extended to give himself away to them. <laughs> yeah. So when does God seem to be most pronounced in our lives? When things are going well or when things are not going well? When does he seem to make his most profound um, involvement known? When everything's going great or when things hit the fan? Right. Isn't that awesome? And what, he did, what it is, is his proof of continually leaning into us. His favor is that he leans toward us all the time. Problem is, when things are going well, we tend to forget that and give him credit for it. We don't recognize him in it. So when things hit the fan, where are we going? We're going over here, and where, how does he make his presence known? By all of a sudden, our eyes are open to see his intervention, his guidance, his leading, his power. His word begins to crystallize for us. Our character is then formed because we're placing our faith there and not trying to go our own way. We recognize my own way led me to the place where I am. I better, mm, I better latch a hold. Anybody else? This word, this word grace means that he's leaning into us. His hand of favor is upon us. And his desire is that we would know him and be with him and walk with him. And he leans into us to accomplish it. He doesn't wait us to, for us to lean into him. So it's kind of like if I'm, if I'm staggering, I got hit in the head and I'm just staggering around and, and, and I'm trying to find my way. And my friend Jim, stand up Jim, my friend Jim shows up. <laughs> oh no, okay. I, I was gonna knock you down. No. <laughs> Good luck. But yeah, yeah. I've, We'd both be down. Yeah, we would be. So, here, so, so what am I, what's, what's, what is this, right? If I'm staggering around, I'm looking for something to lean on. The fact of the matter is, that, although I may go to lean on him, the fact of the matter is, is he sees me, he's going to get to me first, isn't he? And he's going to grab a hold of me and hold on tight. See, when I'm staggering, God doesn't wait for me to lean into him. He comes to lean into me because he's perpetually leaning to me because he has, it never is not leaning into me. The question will, is, will I remain? Mm. Go ahead and sit. Most of the time, once things are going well, I stop leaning in. He's still leaning. He's still favoring me. His hand is still upon me. He still desires for me to be interdependent with him. But when things are going well, I tend to 
It's okay, I can go my way now. Anybody else? I think for a long time we, who are wealthy, and if you live in the United States compared to the rest of the world, you are wealthy. I'm sorry, you are. When things are going well, we think we can go our own way. We've achieved these things, we have these things, we've earned these things, we've got these things. I got that. There's a wonderful little verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, what do you have that you didn't receive? What do you have? Why are you boasting about anything? What do you have that you have not received? But we don't perceive it that way. I earned this, this is mine, I, I'm entitled to this. And God is saying, mm, no, no, no. And in fact, if you continue to live like, well, that way, child, I will strip it away. So you stop putting your dependence, your interdependence, your security in that. I'll take it away. I'll take it away from you. So God's grace sometimes is most experienced when it seems like his hand of favor is off of us. When all of a sudden I have leaned into something that wasn't him. I've gone away that wasn't his. I've placed my security in something that wasn't him. And it gets peeled away. He takes it away. He allows it to dissipate. And I'm left there standing. And we don't realize, thinking in our heads by the experience we just had, that God's favor just left me. The believer who's beginning to grow in wisdom, who has this perspective on the North Star, says, oh, Father, was I holding too tight to that? Was that meaning too much to me? Was I leaning too hard into that? Did that become a stumbling block for me? Father, I am grieving the loss of that thing, but help me to find joy in what it is you're doing. Father, I'm angry that this just happened, but Lord, let me find joy in what you're gonna do through it. That's God's favor. And Paul said something interesting to the Corinth. He said, I hope you all, anyone who's mature should, take, should view things this way. Anyone who's growing and stuff that you can read on your own, go to James chapter one. I want us to see the reality of this in the text where all of this comes together. So while you're doing that, you're looking for James chapter one. While you're doing that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this other two, the, the rest of this definition. So grace is God's favor on me, freely extended as he gives himself to me, not just his stuff to me, himself to me. And he says, here I am, and he's always leaning toward us. And he's reaching to people because he is disposed to want to bless us. What, what? He's reaching down to us to touch us because he is predisposed to want to bless us. With what? With himself. Which means sometimes he's gotta take stuff away from us because we think he's about the stuff when he's actually about himself. And what he wants to strip us down to is it's just me and him. Me and him. Hmm. And then peace with God is from Jesus. It's the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so it fears nothing from God. I have nothing to fear from God. Zero. He's for me. And if Jesus died for me while I was his enemy, how much more will he live for me now that I'm his child? Right? And therefore, look, look what it says next. I fear nothing from God, and I'm content with my current assignment or a lot 
whatever it might be. I'm content in the moment. Let me say that again. I'm content, whether with plenty or with little. And contentment is the result of peace, which is the fruit of grace. In other words, when I recognize that there are moments in time when I feel like God's hand of favor is off me and therefore I feel, I feel like I'm being hurt or I've had something taken from me or I'm angry about my circumstance, I need to recognize right there that God has me in this. He is here with me, leaning toward me, wanting to bless me in it and by it. And therefore I will be content. I will sit still. So, very quickly, because the band is here and I'm trying to learn a new way, turn to James chapter one, and we see this all put together. I hear people laughing, it's okay, you can laugh. So James chapter one. Because the description is here, and the prescription is here. Look what it says. Verse two says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whenever it seems as though the hand of favor of God is off you, don't forget that it's still on you. Who bless you. And that in any and every circumstance. That's how that could be read. There's my grandson. Consider it pure joy. Now, that will get me to move right there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, because you know, because you know that God is leaning toward you and his hand, his favor is on you. That's really what it says next. Look what it goes on to say now. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, the ability to cheerfully endure your circumstance, regardless of how difficult it might be. That word perseverance has in it cheer. That's why it says rejoice in your suffering. You will cheerfully endure your circumstance. Because Why? goes on to say in verse four, because perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lack anything. That God doesn't want you deficient. That he is sufficient to make you efficient. Because he doesn't want you deficient. In order for us to therefore be efficient or be effective in our relationship with them, we have to sit still. We have to let perseverance do its work. We need to not only let it do its work, it's gotta be allowed to finish its work, which means I must remain. And I remain in sight of the grace of God, which is his hand of favor on me because he's always disposed to bless me regardless. And that gives me peace. Mm. And then it goes on to say this. Perseverance must finish his work so they may be even mature and complete, not lacking anything. And verse five is the most important one of the whole bunch. Listen, and if any of you lacks what? Wisdom for what? That's completely out of the blue. What's that there for? Because most of us don't get it. We can't see through the suffering. We've taken our eyes off the North Star. We don't understand that God's hand of favor is on me because it seems like I'm being hurt. It seems like I'm being pushed and tested and tempted and, and I have, ah. So you know what he says? If you're having difficulty seeing God's hand of favor on you in the midst of trial, ask for wisdom, insight, discernment, understanding and he will give it to you. In fact, he will not find fault with you for asking. He will grant it to you generously. He'll pour it on you. Why? Because you are humble enough to realize that you weren't wise enough 
to handle it. And so you were wise enough to ask for wisdom and he granted it to you. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's God's hand of favor on you in the midst of every circumstance. That's his promise to work all things out for the good of those who love him and been called according to his purposes. And that everything is everything. But against you, stop it. The same prayer we just prayed for Ukrainian brothers and sisters this morning, and we should continue to pray, we better be praying for ourselves and one another that we would know the grace of God. Having known the grace of God, we would experience the peace of God. Having experienced the peace of God, we learn how to be content in our circumstances. Learning how to be content in our circumstances, we recognize his hand of favor on us, regardless of how we feel, and we trust that he will make everything good for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes, and the result of that will be that we will bear the fruit of Christ. Our faith will be proved genuine, he will be revealed in our lives, and then we better be, better be ready to give a reason for our hope when we're asked, because when you live that way, and you're an oasis of peace, or light in the darkness, or you find, find contentment and joy regardless of the circumstances, you recognize God's hand of favor on you always, you will be asked, because you'll be so different than anyone else that they won't know what else to do. Thank God for our current chaotic circumstances because the darker it gets around us, the, the brighter we shine. Take your notes home. Go through the text. Spend time with Jesus. Let's stand and sing.